I've been told to keep it short by everyone I know. But this was back when uh, this was back when Rachel thought that Nolan was going to be sitting beside her the whole time. I, uh, so a lot of you have already spent some time with family. It looks like a lot of you are in with family. A lot of our um, our people have their kids and grandkids in, and looks and great grandkids in. Uh, looks uh, really fun. Uh, one of the best things about uh, living near your family and living uh, close by and then visiting them for like big holidays occasions is you get to hear that same story over and over again. And they put you in that situation where they say, have you heard the story about, have I told you about what they did, what happened at work to me the other day? Such a, such a, uh, like a broad generalization of a story. Have I told you about what happened to me at the store? Oh, no, tell me. Well, turns out I ran into this lady and then it hits you. Oh, no, they've told me this already. And I've said no. And you can't interrupt them and say, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Yes, you have. <laughs> you can't pause it. You've got to just write it to the end. You can't check out. You've got to just listen. Uh, and and you, you hear those same stories over and over again. You hear this. I mean, you were only a child. Like you, you were a cute kid, but you probably did only like five memorable things. And so they're telling that's those five memorable things about you from here until eternity. And oh yeah, when you were younger, yeah, I know, I know that I was there. So sometimes it's hard to hear the same story over and over again. We've been here four and a half years. We're pushing the time where I'm about to start telling stuff I've said before. Some of you are like, I think you're past that already. <laughs> but there, there is, there's something about hearing it. Again, you can kind of just check out. And I don't, I've heard that enough that I'm not going to hear it again. And the next time I hear it, it's not going to be as funny. It's not going to be as sentimental. It's not going to be as interesting. So sometimes you have to come up with new ways to tell old stories. You have to come up with interesting ways to tell stories that have been repeated over and over again. I did this with the girls whenever um, they would have me tell them bedtime stories. I would go in... And um, I would I would make up stories where I would they would say all right uh, I'd say what what's this character doing here and they would they would say it and I would say okay well all right well this is what happened when they did that and I have to make up this story and then they would give me the same scenarios again and I just for my sake I had to make up different elements because I would get bored of it and but sometimes they would tell me no dad no 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 that's not what happened. So you have to come up with new and interesting ways of telling it. That's why when John, the last living person who had spent time with Jesus, spent significant time with Jesus, sat down and started to write his letter. I get sentimental about it and I think he's writing. He's probably speaking it and someone else is writing it down. And they get the pens out and he said, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And we're going to get this on paper. And he sits down in his chair 
and uh, the guy that's writing the letter for him, which is called an amanuensis, Scrabble, and not that great of a word. It doesn't have any interesting letters. But an amanuensis sits down and he gets his pen out and dips it and says, okay, whenever you're ready. And John sits back thinking about the significance of Jesus and then says a very familiar phrase. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. You know, we have, we don't have the, we don't, we don't feel the weight of this. Because we, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we know those. We list them out. We bullet point those and tell that story. And like tell you, oh, first day this, second day this. We, and then he filled it in the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Sixth was, man, that's the most important. Because it's me. And we tell that story and line it up. But... For them, it was something else happening. Because for them, what God did through his word that day, then God's spirit hovered over the water, and with his word, he created things. John goes on. I don't know if it's up there. Let's go to the app. I can't control it, so just y'all are at Judy's beck and call on that. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 3 says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing that was made has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. This is all one creation reference after the other. God did this, but he did it with his word. And all throughout the Old Testament, what we find is the word of God coming to people and changing them. The word of God came to Habakkuk and came to, uh, to Hosea and came to Jeremiah. The word of God came to Isaiah and Samuel. It came to Elijah and Elisha and it shifted nations and toppled kings. The word of God has been doing damage in the heart of men, has been affecting the lives of men over and over again in Scripture. And they know this. Because their Old Testament is all they have. And they watch what the word of the Lord did. And how powerful the word of the Lord was. And how... It, 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 it moved Jonah so much, scared Jonah so much that he ran and jumped on a boat in the opposite direction. The word of the Lord got a fish to swallow, a big fish, because we're biblically accurate. Got a fish to swallow Jonah and then, and then throw him up on a beach next to a fisherman, I suppose, who was tripped out and went home and told his wife. Yeah, then he got up and just walked off. It was weird. 
Toward Nineveh, yeah. The word of the Lord has been shaking people to their core, coming in like thunderous fire, coming in like like soft whispers, but always affecting, always moving, always, always uplifting or knocking down whatever we need. The word of the Lord has been doing it. And so John is saying, listen, y'all all know this. Since the beginning, the word has been creating. Since the beginning, the word has been life. Since the beginning, the word has been light. The light shines, uh, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not. Uh, John uses a weird word here. It could be overcome, or it could be understood. The darkness has not overcome it or understood it. And when John uses a word like that, um, and you say, "Well, which word did he mean?" The answer is always yes. John, the darkness did not understand it, and it did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true Light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word that shakes the world, that created the universe, that brings light and life to men, that confuses the darkness, that is not overcome by the darkness. That word, that word became flesh And made his dwelling among us. Now, real quick, if you are a Jewish person and have that story in the back of your mind, if you have been reading that the Old Testament in Greek and now you get this Greek letter, or if you've been reading the Old Testament in Hebrew and now you get this Hebrew letter, what happens here is something beautiful that we miss. Because the word here is essentially... The word became flesh and tabernacle among us. See, in the Old Testament, where God was is this, this tabernacle. They carried that around in the, in, the, in the wilderness, and they set up the tent. And that was the first tent they ever set up. They had to set up this big tent, and, um, and God was there. And God made his light rest on that tent. And the presence of God was in the camp. John is saying, God became flesh. The word of God became flesh. And his presence was with us. And what we see in Jesus is the living, breathing, walking around Word of God. All that 
power, all that majesty, all of that um, intensity and fire in this person. One of the mistakes we make sometimes is we, we, we think we have an understanding of God. And we do not. We're not all that great at grasping the Almighty. And so we, but we think we have an understanding of God and we try to view God, Jesus, through our God understanding instead of trying to understand God by looking at Jesus. By understanding all this power and might and, and, and beauty and devastation when needed just in this, in this person. John says, you can look at Jesus and you will see God. John's trying to tell us the story, the whole story of a people who are waiting and longing for a Messiah. They're waiting on the word of the Lord to come and it's in a child. John skips through that really quickly and gets very quickly to Jesus at 30 years old. But what we see in this telling is this intensity of power put into human flesh. And then Jesus, at the end of John, promises that he will be with us. All of that power, his spirit, he is now with us. That's what this day is. And to be, be honest with you, I, and this is such a Church of Christ caveat, but that's what next week is about too. But the world right now is... Seeking to find meaning in unwrapped gifts. When the only meaning that we can find is in a, in a God who's wrapped up in a person. The world right now is, is longing for something and they are being disappointed. Remember that first Christmas you didn't get everything you wanted? It's, it's, it's right about 9, 8, 9, 10. Where you don't quite yet understand the budgetary confinements of the holidays. But every other year you didn't. You've gotten everything you'd wanted. You, I wanted a ball and I got it. Now I want a spaceship and a pony, a spaceship pony. Be creative. You're sitting there looking at all this. This isn't everything. Nothing ever really lives up. Power of God. In the person of Jesus, God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
and that won't let you down. What God came to do will be done. If we are longing for resurrection, even in this time. My great-grandmother passed away this week. Um, she was 92. 92, eight months and eight days. And I'm not good at math. That was in her obituary, and I can see those words. 92, eight months and eight days. And one of the worst things you can say at a funeral, you know, I always thought there's a bunch of crazy things that you shouldn't do at a funeral. Um, Nolan introduced me to one, uh, drumming on the casket. Don't do that. He's like, drum. He didn't say casket drum. He just said drum. But one of the things you don't do at a funeral of someone who's in their 90s is go up to the family. And no one did this, thankfully. But you don't go up to the family and you say, well, at least she lived a good long life. Um, it always hurts. Death at 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 always hurts. Because deep down in us, we know that it's not right. What we find in this child, what we find in the story about this child and the story of what happened after the child was born, how the child lived and how, how the, the, the man, Jesus, lived, what he taught and how he died and how he resurrected, what we find there is a hope for new life. What we find there is a hope for resurrection, a hope for all, um, that all, all things to be restored, be set right again. It's in that hope that we can rest, that we can find comfort, that we can find, be excited and joyful in, in, in hardship and in, in victory. Christmas tells the story of a God who is flesh. A powerful being sacrificing that to be child. And as Paul says in Philippians 2, not just becoming a man, but becoming a man and dying. And not just death, but death on a cross like a criminal. The descent for God kept going to the grave. And the ascension to kingship happened very quickly thereafter. Resurrection has power. And it's in the story of Jesus in the manger that we can think of the story of Jesus on the cross. And the story of Jesus on the cross leads us to the story of Jesus in the tomb. And the story of Jesus in the tomb leads us to the story of Jesus on the shore, alive again. It's crazy. And the story of Jesus on the shore leads us to the story of Jesus on the throne. And the story of Jesus on the throne changes your story. Rewrites it in a more interesting and insightful and in a powerful tone. I know you, you need to get to lunch. But as you get to lunch, 
Let the story of Jesus rework you and retell you and reshape you. Let, the, let Jesus not stay in a manger, but make it to a throne. And let the word of God impact us as we dwell among the world. If you need anything this morning, please come forward. If you want to give your life to this Jesus, if you want to give your life again to this Jesus, or if you need prayers of tough times during this uh, holiday, please, please come forward while we stand and while we sing. I am resolved no longer to leave your